welcome to the What The Heck podcast, a show that looks at mysteries of the unexplained. I'm your host, Glenn. Every week, I look at something unexplained, telling a story or describing it, then look at the theories surrounding it. I won't give you any answers, because I don't know them myself. I'll just give you what you need to decide for yourself. Research is done as academically as possible, and references will be given after the stories. This is the opening week of season two, so there's an episode every day. This week has a theme. I won't be telling you what that is until Halloween, but you can guess if you like. Ways to contact me will be at the end of the episode if you want to guess. Today, though, we're looking at Taunton Castle and the ghosts that hide within. Taunton Castle was built around 170 CE by King Ein of Wessex. It was a motten bailey with the keep up on a hill to defend it, and the bailey below surrounded by a palisade wall and a moat. King Ein had it built as part of a temporary frontier to push his kingdom out to the west. The original structure may have been destroyed in 722 CE, just 12 years later, after King Ein lost a battle against the native Britons. The area was retaken later, becoming a site of religious significance when a church was built by the wife of King Ein's successor, King Ethelherd. By the 12th century, the church had fallen into the hands of the bishops of Winchester. In 1120, William Gifford converted the church into an Augustinian priory. Gifford was succeeded by Henry de Blois, who began the construction of many castles. Ashley, Bishops Waltham, Downton, Farnham, Murdo and Taunton all received castles from Henry. The new castle was made of stone and was surrounded by a keep. The building began in 1138 and was likely still ongoing when the first civil war, the Anarchy, began over the right of succession between Henry I's daughter Matilda and King Stephen. Henry de Blois was King Stephen's brother, but his support switched between him and Matilda during the war. In 1154, it was decided that Matilda's son would take over when Stephen died. Henry de Blois fled abroad, possibly to escape the wrath of the new king's displeasure. Henry II, the new king, had Taunton Castle and others demolished. It didn't take long for the two Henrys to reconcile and repair the castle, though. The outer keep was rebuilt, making it larger and rectangular, boasting five towers. The priory on the site relocated to the east of the town in 1158, allowing the castle to expand. The arrival of the First Baron's War in 1215 caused the castle to be garrisoned for the king, and a moat was dug 
and filled with water from the nearby River Tone, where, the, where Taunton gets its name. The excavation of the moat was ordered by Peter de Roche, the Bishop of Winchester. The Second Baron Wars in the 1260s saw the castle being garrisoned again, then requisitioned by the King in 1267. Once in the hands of the King, the castle was used to imprison Simon de Montfort, the leader of the rebellion. During this time, the castle went under renovations and upgrades, including enhancements to the inner ward gatehouse, the Great Hall, and the outer curtain wall. In the lead up to the Wars of the Roses, Thomas de Courtenay, Earl of Devon, shut himself in the castle in 1451. The castle itself was besieged by Lord Bonville on behalf of Henry VI. Courtenay was a Yorkist and was saved from a defeat by Richard, Duke of York, who came to rescue him. It was left almost alone during the Wars of the Roses, but was then later briefly held by rebels in 1497. The rebels supported Perkin Warbeck, a man who claimed to be one of Edward IV's sons, Richard. Edward's sons had been locked in the Tower of London by his brother, Richard III. Perkin Warbeck came to England to attempt to overthrow Henry VII. Although the rebels took the castle, the threat of the royal army took their morale away and the rebellion was swiftly defeated. Perkin fled to Hampshire, but was captured and returned to Taunton Castle, where he was imprisoned and interrogated. Perkin Warbeck was executed at Tyburn in 1499. During the Tudor era, the castle underwent some modifications. The defences were downgraded, so it was more comfortable as a residence. Large windows were installed in the inner ward gatehouse and the Great Hall, and a grammar school was built within the walls in 1520 by Richard Fox, Bishop of Winchester. Henry VIII dissolved the priory in 1539, but the castle itself stayed in the hands of the church until 1551, when it transferred to royal ownership. The royal ownership didn't last long though, because the bishops of Winchester regained the castle in 1577. Taunton was pro-Parliament during the Civil War, but much of the surrounding area was royalist territory. The castle was re-fortified, but was taken, along with the town, in June 1643. The royalists held the town for a year, until Taunton was retaken by a parliamentary force led by Robert Blake, who was born in Bridgewater, the next town over. Blake fortified the town and was besieged by royalists in August 1644. The royalist army, under Sir Edward Wyndham, forced Blake and his army back inside the castle. The arrival of Robert Devereux, Earl of Essex, and his army saved Blake and caused the Royalists to withdraw. Essex was defeated soon afterwards, giving the Royalists complete dominance of the area. The town was attacked again in September 
by George, Lord Goring. It lasted until May 1645, with royalists offering relief to the defence of the town and castle. One final attempt to take the town was made in June 1645, but it was unsuccessful. The people of Taunton refused to give the castle back to the king after the restoration of Charles II, which prompted him to call for the demolition of the castle in 1662. The keep took most of it, being reduced to just its foundations. That decision caused even more resentment, and James, Duke of Monmouth, used that to rebel against James II in 1685. Around 400 townsfolk rallied under his banner, but it wasn't enough, and the rebellion was crushed at the Battle of Sedgemoor in July 1685. Some of the fighters were imprisoned and taken to the castle to await their legal hearings. The proceedings were led by Judge Jeffreys. In a period known as the Bloody Assizes, Jeffreys was in charge of sentencing rebels. He came to Taunton to sentence them from Monmouth's attempted rebellion. He had no plans to offer clemency to any of them and came to prevent another rebellion attempt. On, seven, on the 17th of September, 1685, the trials began and over three days, 526 cases were tried, 158 rebels were sentenced to death and a further 284 were sent to the West Indies. Out of the people who were sentenced to death, 19 of them were hung, drawn and quartered in Taunton. The castle was eventually abandoned and fell into ruin in the 18th century. It was purchased in that state by Sir Benjamin Hammett MP in 1786. He repaired what he could and rebuilt a lot of the castle in the Georgian style. The castle hotel was built in the 19th century and the great hall of the castle was converted into a museum. The museum is still open today and parts of the keep can still be seen on the castle green in Taunton. For a long time, people have claimed that the castle is haunted and people staying at the Castle Hotel have also claimed to have seen ghosts in the rooms. I can't seem to find much information of when the sightings began though. Visitors to the Museum of Somerset have said that they can hear the sound of boots stomping around, which has been attributed to soldiers who served Judge Jeffreys. Others have claimed to have heard the sounds of a phantom violin or fiddle, this sound has been attributed to revellers in the castle during the Duke of Monmouth's rebellion. In 1878, Matilda Locke was working as a cook in Clark's Hotel, which is now the Castle Hotel. In November of that year, she had told her colleagues that she wasn't feeling very well and retired to her room. A housemaid went to check on her and found her on the floor, writhing in pain. When the doctor was called, he examined her and told her she was pregnant. Matilda denied it, but was dismissed from the hotel the next day. 
In January of 1879, one of the drains in the yard became blocked and John Mount Stevens was called to have a look at it. The drain was directly outside what had once been Matilda's room. Mount Stevens opened the drain and discovered the body of a baby boy with a forked stick. A post-mortem was performed on the body and it was revealed that the child had been in the drain for around five weeks, but rats had been eating it. The examiner said that the baby had been born alive because the lungs floated on water. He also found puncture wounds on the baby's neck and in its armpit. Matilda was arrested and charged with willful murder. By the time that she appeared in the courts in February 1879, the charge had been altered to concealment of birth of a child. The case against her was largely circumstantial and there was no actual evidence that she had given birth or if the baby had even been hers. The jury was unable to reach a verdict and Matilda went free. However, it's said that the cries of a baby can be heard in the hotel today. In August 2006, the TV show Most Haunted, a team of ghost hunters with Yvette Fielding as a host, visited the castle for an episode. I remember being really excited for this episode and staying up late to watch it. It was really the first time I learned how famous the castle was. In the episode, they talk of sightings of Judge Jeffreys himself and a mysterious grey lady who is said to roam the halls of the castle at night. There's a room in the castle called the Somerset Room, which they say is haunted by a malevolent spirit that has physically grabbed and pushed people. Yvette and her parapsychologist, Kieran O'Keefe, spent the previous night in the museum and spoke at the beginning of the episode saying that the emotional energy in the building and the visual cues inside the castle could have an effect on the team's mediums, David Wells, and guest medium, Ian Shillito. They talked with each other, saying that they had to remember not to add to the energy of the evening and direct the mediums. I don't know if the mediums know any information about the places beforehand, but they walk around the buildings they're investigating and talk about what they feel. David Wells immediately catches on to something in the museum, suggesting that he wanted to kneel in front of an invisible stage that he can see. The EMF reader that O'Keefe has begins to fluctuate. David Wells correctly names Jeffries and correctly says that he died in the Tower of London. He also correctly describes the dress of judges at the time, a dark wig and a tricorn hat. They go into the castle bedroom and Wells catches a feeling of abuse between a more modern teenage male and woman from the early 20th century. There must have been something there because a card appears at the bottom of the screen saying the names have been omitted to protect the surviving family. When Ian Shillito is walked around, he picks up on a royalist soldier in the museum. He also picks up on an old man who seems unhappy, looking at some plans. He gives the name James and associates it with James I. 
They visit the Somerset room and he instantly picks up on a shadowy figure wearing sackcloth and suggests it's linked to the grounds and not the room. The third room they enter is the attic of the castle. Shilito talks about two children writing on the wall in a dream that he had, but didn't know what the link was to the actual attic. After this, the night visual begins. As with the mediums and their prior knowledge, it's difficult to know whether or not the events of the night are staged or real. It's quite a gripping watch either way, and the action jumps between Yvette and David's team and Ian Shillito's team with Ian Cash. Yvette and David Wells return to the Great Hall and hear a woman's voice almost instantly. This is the only time we hear the woman. David says he can feel people being dragged through a door they're standing nearby. The attention shifts to Shillito in the castle's library where the flashlight goes out. Back in the Great Hall, Yvette calls out and hears a whistle in response, then reports seeing a shadow moving. Shilito speaks about Graves, then calls out. He gets the word yes as a response, and the cameraman feels a whisper in his ear. Shilito discovers that it's the man in the sackcloth. The teens decide to change their vigils then, adding other members of the team. Three of the members of the team attempt to table tip, an act where they ask the ghosts to move a table they're touching in a similar fashion to a planchette on a spirit board up in the attic. It's difficult to tell whether this is real or not though, because the cameras are set up at angles so that you can't see the whole table. Yvette and David go into the bedroom and ask the male ghost to talk to them. The ghost doesn't respond, but their infrared camera catches a cold spot behind Yvette. David asks the ghost to make the cold spot grow, and it's visible on the camera. The action returns to the table, where the men table tipping are frightened by the table moving without prompts. For the final part of the investigation, Yvette's team returns to the castle bedroom. One of the cameramen begins to sweat and feel claustrophobic. They mention the smell of stale alcohol in the room and continue to ask the ghost to show itself. Yvette suggests they return to the attic and her team makes their way up there. The team instantly notes feeling like the room is spinning and then something rattles nearby. Two of the cameramen fall forward and the team rush to help them out. As they try and get one out of the room, he keeps falling. The team makes the decision to leave the attic and end the night. As they leave, they find a chair in their way and hear something run up the stairs away from them. I have a faint memory of them returning to Taunton in a live episode where they explore explored the castle hotel and a Tudor building in the town where Judge Jeffreys is said to have stayed during the bloody assizes, but I can't find evidence of it anywhere and maybe making it up. If anyone else remembers it and, can't fi- and can find it for me, please do let me know. As it seems, there are only really reports of ghosts in the buildings related to Taunton Castle, 
and the only evidence we have of them belong to a single episode of Most Haunted. Maybe two, if someone is able to find the footage of their live visit to the castle. Interestingly enough, theories for this are scarce. The many ghosts have their individual origins, which is exactly what I expected to find. However, there aren't any official theories as to why the castle is haunted, especially in regards to Judge Jeffreys himself, whose ghost can be found in multiple places in England. Of course, without theories, there isn't much I can do. There are two schools of thought about ghosts in general, though. The first school of thought is that these ghosts are real and do haunt the castle. The stories are compounded by the episode of Most Haunted and add to the idea that the ghosts exist. The only named ghosts are Judge Jeffreys and Lionel, the man who died in the castle bedroom. This doesn't change a lot, since hauntings don't often have named ghosts, even in famous locations. However, Judge Jeffreys has a ghost in several places, which some might think is odd. The other school of thought is that these events and reports aren't evidence of ghosts. If somewhere is known to be haunted, it's more likely that someone will find evidence of the haunting upon visits. Although it's difficult to argue with a cold spot or symptoms of ghost activity, since they, they happen without warning and sometimes without any reasoning. In terms of the castle, a cold spot could have happened on any outside wall as the stones begin to cool down as the night goes on. Kieran O'Keefe relays his theories at the end of the most haunted episode in 2006. He suggests that the cameramen who fell weren't victims of a ghost, but a combination of the narrow rooms and the heat of the night causing them to fall unconscious. He also says that the table tipping has controls in place, but suggests that the moving table is difficult to attribute to a paranormal phenomenon. He said he was still sceptical about the happenings. It's difficult to tell whether the castle itself is haunted. If the most haunted team is anything to go by, it may very well be haunted. But I think ghosts are a totally different kind of mystery. And really, the decision of what's true lies with you. story from this episode came from a Southwest Heritage Trust article about Taunton Castle, a Castles, Forts and Battles article on Taunton Castle, a Haunted Britain article about Taunton Castle, and a Somerset Live article called Spooky Stories Behind the Ghosts of the Castle Hotel, and Season 8, Episode 10 of Most Haunted called Taunton Castle which can be found on Amazon Prime UK. The theories from this episode came from the Most Haunted episode. References for the episode and links to studies will be posted on social media for you to have a look at. Social media links are available using the link in the episode description. I'm on Facebook, 
Instagram, Twitter, and post short pieces of episode on TikTok. I have a Patreon, but I'm still deciding what to post on it this season. There is a £3 tier if you want to support me anyway. The link to the Patreon is also on the link tree, and as before, you're welcome to pledge more than £3 a month, and I'll find something extra special for the people that do. My email address is also in the episode description if you want to send me spooky stories, unexplained events, or even mysteries you want me to look at. If I get enough, I'll set up some listener episodes to read them. Please don't hesitate to email me if I have if you have any corrections or issues with things that I've said. Once I've seen the email, I'll make sure to correct myself. The next episode is going to be out tomorrow and will follow the same theme as today. See if you can figure it out. Remember, there's not long to wait, so hold on until then. Oh, 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 oh,